For God, the Lord of earth and heaven, so loved and longed to see the world forgiven, the world in sin and pleasure mad, that he gave the greatest gift he had, his only begotten son to take our place, that whosoever, don't you love that word? Oh, what grace, believeth, placing simple trust in him, the righteous and the just, should not perish lost in sin, but have everlasting life in him. Wonderful, profound, surprising words. Why would God love us like that? Sometimes people wonder, why did God wait till John chapter 3 and verse 16 to tell us that? Well, the truth is, he did not. From the very beginning, when Adam sinned, the first man sinned, God went after him, looking for him, clothed him, gave him promises. And then when you come over to Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to actually be in chapter 22 in just a moment in Genesis. But in Genesis chapter 12, God called this man Abraham to leave his home, his family, to move to a place that he didn't even know where God was going to send him. And then God said in chapter 12 of Genesis these words to Abraham, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now this is not my sermon, but we need to be very careful who we're praising right now with what's going on in the world. God's word is very clear here. And over and over again, I don't know about you, when I read my Bible, there's certain things, I, I underline a lot of verses, but way back in my life, I don't remember when, I started underlining two things especially. One, every time it says in the Bible, and God said to, or the word of the Lord came to, I just underline it. And what it does, it impresses upon you how many times, thousands of times, it says, this is what God is saying. And then the other thing I always underline is when it says things like this, this event happened that all the world can know that there's a God in heaven. Well, when Linda and I arrived in Senegal, we lived in that same part. We're farther south than where he's going, but we lived in that same part of the world up in the Sahara. And when we got there, we spent a year and a half in France studying French. And we got there, and my neighbors would come, and they would say, Assalamu alaikum. And I would say, je ne comprends pas. I don't understand. They'd say, mbajam and And I would say, je ne comprends pas. Nangadef, why? Je ne comprends pas. Very brilliant conversation going on because not one neighbor we had spoke French. <clears throat> now, you had to know French there. The road signs were French, the government papers, but our neighbors didn't speak French. And so from the very first day, we started learning their language, their language, the Wolof language. But when I first was, we were first there and I started learning the language and people would come up to me and say, well, let me pause there for a moment. They could not pronounce Godfrey. So they gave me an African name. So if you go to Senegal today and ask for Mr. Godfrey, nobody would know. But my name there is Hassan Ba, like King Hassan, but my first name in Hassan Ba. And they would say, Asanba, how can you be a Christian and you have a wife and children? Because their idea of Christians were priests and nuns from France. And they had never seen a real live Christian that had a family and the family was in order and looked right and acted right. And they just blew their stereotype of what a Christian is. 
And I would say, when they would say, how can you be a Christian, you have a wife? I would say, well, let me tell you why. In the very first pages of what they call the Torah, the Genesis, it says, for this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. And before I'm finished, they're jumping up and down saying, you believe that? You believe that? I mean, I mean, that's amen in Arabic. <clears throat> and I would say, that's, we do believe that and we practice that. But let me tell you another story a few pages over in the same book, in Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham to take his son up, and that's where we're going to, if you go ahead and find Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham to take his son up on the mountain. Now, when I told that story to Muslim people, I didn't say that it was Isaac. Now, I wasn't compromising. There was just no need to get into an argument at that point about which son it was, because they think it was Ishmael. But I start telling that story about God telling Abraham, take your son up on the mountain and offer him in sacrifice. And before I finish the story, they're jumping up and down again saying, you believe that? You believe that? We kill a ram every year in memory of the fact that God provided the ram for Abraham's son. And I would say, I know you do that. I know you practice that. I know all of your lives you've offered that ram. But here's what no one's ever told you. The son of Abraham did not die because the ram took his place. And when John the Baptist, Yahya in Arabic, when, when Yahya saw Jesus, he said this to them, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now you might be thinking, Brother Godfrey, what does all this have to do about Missions. Well, I think it actually has a lot to do with missions. And I want to speak this morning <clears throat> on this topic, Genesis 22, Abraham's faith promise. Look with me in chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon the, one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and, cl and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went into the place of which the Lord had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, uh, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. 
neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And there's some other great verses there. I'll refer to some of those later. Uh, but when you think about Abraham, what word probably comes to your mind? Faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness four times. If it's in the Bible once, that's important. But when you see something that's repeated four times through the scripture, uh, it's in the book of Romans, it's in the book of Galatians, it's in the book of James. Abraham believed God. When we think about Abraham, we think about faith. And it certainly is important. I probably have used this passage in the Old Testament more than any other passage in all the Bible when I witness to Muslim people. Because they, they, get, they get that God requires the sacrifice as substitution. And I've gone back to it time and time again. But I want to challenge you with some simple thoughts this morning. How many of you like simple? Okay, I'm, I'm a simple preacher. One year, I shouldn't tell this, I was in Greenville. And I heard a sermon preached on the difference between dynamic and dualistic monarchianism. <laughs> And um, I heard it. I had no idea what the man said. <clears throat> I'm not quite sure he, he did either. But anyway, that's <laughs> my, my sermons are simple. I want to challenge you about this story about Abraham. And I want you, first of all, to notice this, that faith and offerings go together. Faith and offerings. This was not Abraham's first act of faith. In chapter 12, God said, Abraham... I want you to leave the place you grew up and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to tell you of. I believe God is still calling people like that today. Not to go establish a nation, but I believe God is speaking to the hearts of people saying, I want you to go to Mozambique. I want you to go to Morocco. I want you to go to Canada, wherever it's at. God is still calling. This was not Abraham's first act of faith. In fact, he had had many. Uh, God... Uh, stretched his faith. You're going to have a son, but it was a long years before that son came. Leaving home, having a child, we see him again and again uh, with act of faith and offering. And here in chapter 22, he performs a faith offering. Now we've been talking about it, your pastor's been talking about this week, faith promise missions offering. You see, it. We act upon faith, but it's based on the promise, the promise of God. Because God had told Abraham about Isaac, in him shall all the world be blessed. In Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter, verses 17 through 19, let me just make a statement before I read those verses. Abraham believed that God could raise Isaac back to life if he sacrificed him. Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. 
accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. Faith, real faith and offering goes together. If you really trust God, you really believe God, how can we not offer him everything we have? It's not just about money and things that we give, but about our very, very lives and our future and our plans. So faith and offering go together. Let me show you something else that go together. Back in verse 2, and he said, that is, and God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Watch it. Faith and love go together. This is the first time in the Bible that the word love is mentioned. Now, love has been there from the start. Obviously, God loved us. He created us. He loved us, but it's not stated. That word love is not used in the Bible until you get to Genesis chapter 22 when God is stretching the faith of Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one that you love. Let me make this remark about that. Real offering is costly. It's not easy. It's not cheap. How much does God love you? How much does God love me? Well, let me tell you how much he loved us. He, he loved us so much that he pleased him to bruise his only son. All of our sins were placed on his son and God turned his face away. That's how much he loved you. That's how much he loved me. So faith and love always go together. Faith and obedience go together. In verse 3, uh, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. How many of you like, don't raise your hands. How many of you like to get up early in the morning? Well, a lot, some of us do. I do. I, I find that if I don't spend my time with God in the morning, it might not happen. I'm in the office. If I'm back in town, I'm in the office at 7 o'clock in the morning. I don't have to be there that early, but I've, I've got to catch up with my emails and phone calls and all of those things. I'm there early, so before I ever do that, I spent my time with God. Faith and obedience. He got up early. The next day, he didn't wait. Obedience demands no delay. And when God calls us, folks, it doesn't pay to try to put it off. To run from God. When God said, I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be a missionary. I want you to teach that Sunday school class. I want you to sing in the choir. I want you to go soul winning. Whatever it is, it does not pay to put God off. Uh, don't just say it. Okay, we're... We're going to talk, your pastor is, in just a little bit about your faith promise missions card. Uh, we don't want to just talk about it. We don't want just to make vows about it. We don't simply want to wish we're going to do it. We want to do it. Faith and obedience go together. Look at verse number five. There's something else here that goes with faith. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Now watch this. Faith and worship go together too. Interesting to me, the first time the word love is used in the Bible is in verse number two. The first time the word worship is used in the Bible is in verse five of this chapter. 
Real worship is life-changing. You've heard testimonies right here this morning from missionaries. When we really get a picture of who God is, think about Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, Lord, here am I. Would you send me? Faith and worship go together. It's life-changing. Often we forget when we preach about the Great Commission you don't need to turn there, but I think you, I hope you know it and you've memorized it. But in Matthew chapter 28, let me read the verse before that most of us skip when we talk about their great commission. It says this, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. And he spake unto them, saying, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Faith and worship uh, go together. Now just notice this. There's a proper order here. Worship comes before work. Before they received the great commission to go on all, into all the world, they fell at his feet and worshiped him. God hates cheap worship. And there's a lot of it, folk, going on right now. Emotional worship, they call it. Worship of God is so vitally important <clears throat> because we're acknowledging Him who He really is. He is not Grandpa sitting on a rocking chair on the porch in heaven. He's a high, holy, lifted up God who deserves our worship, our praise, our adoration. Faith and worship go together. <clears throat> Verse number eight. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Notice this. Faith and trust go together. <clears throat> I know those words are very similar. Uh, Abraham believed that God would provide <clears throat> excuse me, look, when you cannot figure it out, God has already got it figured out. <laughs> Some of you are praying about how much you're going to give this next year to help get these missionaries to the field. And you, how am I going to do that? <clears throat> how many of us look at our budget now and, and there's no way you can explain it logically? <clears throat> Linda and I give more <clears throat> we give more emissions than we used to make. <clears throat> Many years ago, I don't know when, we've, we've been married, I told you, Friday night, 54 years. <clears throat> Every year, uh, we got a hold of this thing of faith, of missions giving. 54 years, we've increased it. <clears throat> our, our missions giving a long time ago uh, surpassed our tithe. Now, I'm not telling you those things to brag because... We look at our, <clears throat> we look at our, <clears throat> excuse me, our monthly budget, and we can't figure out how we do it. But I want you to know this, boy, do we sure enjoy doing it. Because when you trust God, God can provide. I can't figure it out. I don't know how we, he was going to do it, but I know that he can do it. And no wonder it was said in Abraham, believe God. He had confidence in his father's amazing love and provision. <clears throat> and that brings me to the, my next thought in verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, 
and behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Well, notice this. Faith and provision go together. God had exactly what Abraham needed already there. Have you ever wondered why the ram's horns were caught in the thicket? Every sacrifice given that was a picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament had to be a perfect sacrifice. Its bones were not broken. It was not sick. It had no wounds upon it. And God how that, God, God can do what he wants to, but he sent that ram and he caught, got caught by his horns in the thicket. And God provided that ram as a substitute for, for Isaac. No wonder it says here, they called him Jehovah Jireh, the Lord sees and the Lord provides. And then there's one other thought I see. I didn't read these verses a moment ago, but in verses 15, 16, <clears throat> 17, 18, and uh, God said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of thine enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Here's what I see when I think about that kind of faith. <clears throat> when you have that kind of faith, simple trust, leaning upon, resting in, however you choose to put it. That kind of faith produces wonder. Lord, I know you're going to fulfill your covenant. Lord, I know that your seed's going to come. How many of you believe like I do that the second coming of Christ is, is close? How in the world could you see what's going on in the world today and not believe that <clears throat> it may be before we go home today? It produces wonder in us. He will come again. And I would say as I finish this morning, Will the Lord strengthen our faith? Some of you may be wondering, how much can I give? How much should I give? If you know anything about me, you know I'm not an arm twister. I don't try to make people feel guilty about it or put pressure on them because this whole thing of giving is not about how much do I have to give. It's, Lord, how much would you, how much would you let me give? It's a hard issue. And... I, as the other missionaries, want to say thank you to you as a church for your kindness and graciousness. And we pray for you that your faith would grow and increase and that you would just stand back and wonder at the God we serve. Because he is worthy of our worship and our praise and our giving and at all the things he does for us.